The Sci-Fi Film Podcast is a Thrave Productions podcast. The Sci-Fi Film Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sci-Fi Film Podcast. I'm Andy Walker and once again I'm here with my son Scott. Hello Scott. Hello. Hey diddly doodling. All right, apart from the fact that I've literally just realised I'm wearing exactly the same shirt as I was last week. Well, as long as you haven't been wearing it all week, that's fine. No, I haven't. I've washed it a couple of times, but it's just the fact that I sat there and just thought to myself, pretty sure I was wearing this last week. You didn't mind. These things happen. It's just one of those uh, fangs. Um, How are you, Father? I'm me. I'm spectacularly average with a slight penchant for being bleh. On the show, on show. Yeah, no, I'm alright. I'm just, you know, still feeling the after effects of throwing myself to the floor. You're not as young as you used to be. No, that's because I'm old. I wasn't going to say that because every time I say you're old, you have a go at me. So, hang on, you just said you're not as young as you used to be. Yeah, no, but that's a nicer way than saying you're old. If I say it's because you're old, you have a go at me. The same thing. Yeah, well, I'm old. The fat. politeness. I'm old. I'm fat, and I'm I'm unhealthy. At least I still got my looks. You don't you dare, don't you, <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> oh, I've got my looks. I keep them in a box under the bed. Um. <laughs> so this week we have a specialist specialist. We've got a specialist that does podcasts. We are, we are, oh, blimey, we're reviewing two short films and then we will have an interview with the filmmaker. Um, so there you go. This could, this could be very interesting. I, I, I wondered how you would feel about these films, to be honest. Um, given your, your thing about science and, and stuff. Yeah. Uh... So, you know, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's, let's, it's let's, interesting. Let's start with the first one, as it's <laughs> the best place to do it. We could start with the second one, but it'd be easy to start with the first one. Uh, so the first film is called Spirit, A Martian Story. Uh, the director is Stimson Sneed, who we will be talking to. Uh, writers Stimson Sneed and Randall Munro. The cast is uh, Tara Strong, Carissa J. Adams, Stimson Sneed, Paige Henderson, Nicole Murray, Christopher Mor- uh, Christopher Mawson, Cody Lapper, Steve Squires, and Ben McFadden. Uh, and it's a, this is a, a fictional adaptation. Oh, there's no actual synopsis as such, but this is what it says. It says, 
<clears throat> this is a fictional adaptation based on real science and real events, and it's based on the comic XKCD Spirit by Randall Munro. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and it's it's basically the story of the Mars rovers. Uh, yes. Spirit and, I don't know, there's been four or five of them over, over the period of time. And uh, this one is specifically about spirit. And it's about uh, a kind of fictionalised version of what maybe went through, went on <gasps> with spirit. This is, yeah, it's, it's what if, because obviously we look at them as the fact that they're robots that we're controlling and stuff like that, but it's what if they actually have personalities and a conscience. Yeah. Conscience or conscience? Con consciousness is. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one, yeah. So, um, yeah, what, what did you think? I, it's really obviously like you said. I, I follow follow a lot of stuff to do with science and stuff like that, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that I am sort of a science nerd when it comes to stuff with certain things. I genuinely like this because it's something that I, it's something that me and one of, one of my was at school, my science teacher actually had a conversation about is what happens and what would be the feeling of not obviously the, the whole, especially the whole way. I suppose now we like the way that AI is working. Yeah. With the whole, what would, would it think, would it go through things after the mission was done? Yeah, yeah. What happens afterwards? Because obviously we sit there and say, yeah, we're going to send them up there for a five-year mission. No one ever talks about coming, bringing them back. Yeah. So it's just one of the things. And it's one of the things that I sat there and I thought about, sat and I thought about and I've said to a few people, what would it be? What do you think that it would feel if it could? And I like the fact that someone's actually done this as a film idea. The fact that is, and it's not the sort of it's, um, yeah, it's got a few comedy, like a few comedy aspects in it because it's to make it that lightness. But yeah. it's not like it's not over the top done. It's no. it's stuck to the science a lot of it, and it's stuck to stories that were told of other things that were going on, and stuck to information about the things that were going on and yeah. i like the fact i like the little description of before and after as well the sort of like this is this is a story about it and even when they talk about it, it's the same like this is it's it's a bit more than uh, it's a bit sort of faction like uh, sort of made made funnier and sort of dramatized just to give it that little bit of, that little bit of comedy yeah. I like the fact that they added that because those people could sit there and go, that's not true. They, <laughs> I am big fault in it. But I like the fact that, and the fact that it's, it's that whole thing of, like, yeah, what are they up to? What is, what's going on? And the fact that it's end, some of the stuff that was said back after the mission that was going on, or when there were missions going on, that no one, no, a lot of the scientists didn't think of, is in, inspired people like this. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. I, I, I really like this. I'd say it, it's quite funny. It reminded me, in, there were a few places where it kind of reminded me of, of Wally. Yeah. <laughs> just just certain bits of it reminded me of that. I don't know why. Um, but, I mean, the mix of the kind of real science and the, and the actual reports of what was going on with the rovers and the fictionalized sort of like personality driven stuff was really well done. It, it was, it kind of worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it sort of drew me into the film and I was really kind of invested in it and, and interested in what was going on. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. 
did the same thing. It sort of it was. I think it's the, it was the bit. It was the lightness of it, the lightheartedness of some of the serious bits. The sort of to sort of like that drew me into it, made me feel sort of part of the story. So yeah, I like the effects were really good. Like the CGI thing of it, and the effects that they that they used on it that were really good. I mean, you know. Hmm. The whole thing was computer generated, but it was so well done. Well, I think a lot of the images, well, a lot of the images I've seen, some of the images I've seen before that are actual ones that have been put out in the public domain of what 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 Miles looked like. So they had a lot of references, but it is, it's oh, yeah. it is amazingly done. It is. It's really clever and really, really well done. And it was, um, it, it was actually. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was kind of it was picked up by the the Aldrin, yeah. Um, so who was set up by Buzz Aldrin's family, yeah. Um, and then it was sort of like uh, put onto their channel and put out as one of their sort of like top films and that. So I, I, you know, I, they've obviously they obviously did a lot of research. I'd like to see the comic to see how close the film was to the comic. Yes. Um, because I didn't realize that this was a, a, a sort of a comic. I'm assuming it's sort of like a graphic novel style thing. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize it was that before I saw the film. Um, but I would be interested to see that and to see what the what differences there are, if there are any, and and, and how it how they kind of relate to each other. Mm. I didn't realize that either, but it'd be interesting to see how close or if there's any changes they made. But I mean, I, I think this is a really good film. It's, it really works well as as the film it is. It kind of it's it's almost like a fictionalized documentary, which is really cool. Yeah, you know the way it's done. I really like that. Yeah, so yeah. Okay, let's go on to the second film, which is the one I wasn't sure how you would get on with. This is a, a short film, which is called Tim Travers and the Time Traveler's Paradox. Yeah. That was written and directed by Stimson Sneed, and the cast is Samuel Dunning. Now, again, there isn't really a synopsis for this. No. It's a plot summary, uh, which says, a scientist creates a time machine and kills their younger self to see what would happen. And that self-absorbed, misanthrope, mad genius of a scientist is Tim Travers, and the universe was bad enough with only one of him. Yeah. Now I've got to say the first thing about about this is I'm confused. <laughs> okay, go on. And not to do with the film. The film itself, I wasn't confused about at all. Oh, okay. I'm confused because when I went to, you know, I always do a bit of research on online to get notes about the book, about the film, about who's in it, what the, you know, who did what, and that kind of thing. See if there's any background I can give on it and all that kind of stuff. When you check this online. Yeah, it has this massive cast list of people, including people like Danny Trejo and and Joel McHale, who aren't in the film, and and a number of others. And and I, I just is there another film? Was this a short film that was then made into a longer film? And I've watched the short film and not the longer film. Um. Because I got really confused. I could only find information out about this one film. But all of that information, including on IMDb, lists people in the cast list that aren't in the film. 
Wow. Okay. So I, I don't know. It's kind of made me go, oh, am I watching something wrong here? Is it something yeah, wrong? that's bizarre. Unless someone's missed that. I don't know. That's really weird. I mean, especially, as, you know, I know what Danny Trejo looks like. I yeah. know what Joel McCoy looks Danny, like. Yeah, Danny Trejo's not a hard person to miss. So I know, I'd know if he was in the film. Unless yes. he's... Unless he's one of the people in the background at the bar <laughs> that you don't actually see properly. Possibly. Because apart from the guy playing the scientist, the only person you see properly is the barmaid. But there are a couple of other people in the background in the bar. So I'm going to have to go back and watch it, that's just in case. It, it's weird, but we're going to have to ask him. We're going to have to ask <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, okay. Um. Now, it won't surprise you to hear that I absolutely love this film. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Now, I know you have a problem with time but. travel, but time travel <laughs> film. But. I have a problem with time travel. It just can't happen. Shush. How do you know? Anyway, it already has. But look. I know you have a problem with time travel films. I, I get that. I, I do get all that. We've been through it so many times. I understand why and all that sort of thing. But I thought you would like this one because of the fact that it's all about the paradox, which is the yes. thing you get, you get annoyed because of the fact that you most films, they ignore the fact that there's a paradox. Yeah. Okay. I, I did. I was thinking that the whole way through this. When I first read this, obviously, I didn't. See the thing about the paradox bit. So when I first read the fact it was a time travel, I did the whole, oh, for God's sake, sort of thing. But yeah, okay, I watched it and I really hate the fact, I'm going to say this, but I genuinely liked it. I Oh, I'm glad. But because, yes, okay, it's about time travel. And as anyone that listens to this and everyone knows, I have a big issue when it comes to stuff like that. But the fact that they stick to the fact that not stick to it, but the whole premise is, like you said, is them talking about the paradoxes and the fact that you can't escape it. You can't escape yeah. the thing. But, okay, there were a couple of funny like, bits in it that, okay, I sort of thought to myself, I wonder, like, it would be good if they sort of explained, but obviously I know they can't do a short film. Yeah. But I liked, I liked the effects in it. I think they're very well done. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah, the cinematography I thought were amazingly done. The the sort of what I liked as well was the, the little bits of the comedy aspects in it as well. The the sort of confusion of people around him when yeah. he's out when he's out of the lab, sort of looking at him because they just they carry on the conversation, they carry on talking about it, and it's just like the confusion of people around them. I've I've had that I've had that when people have looked at me and like that look of what on earth are you talking about? But we don't want to say it, so it's sort of big of it, and I like that. And the fact that they just the fact that they genuinely have this, this sort of drunken idea, and I like as well the beginning bit of this, where it says this inspired by drunken, uh, drunken, yeah, heavily drinking. I thought I've, I've been there. I've been in the moments where I've had a bit to drink, and I've gone, "This, this is an amazing idea." And yeah. the, the fact that someone's followed it through and quite proudly admitted it. <laughs> but yeah, I do like. I like as well that. Um, the little aspects of stuff that was going on, the sort of, uh, with one bit in it that I've, I've seen in a few other time travel films and it's bugged me. And the fact that they make a point in this is where the football came from. 
Yes. Well, and the fact that it, the fact, even at the end, the last the last quote is that doesn't explain the football. And I yeah. sat there and thought, you know what? That makes perfect sense. The fact that someone they made a sort of uh, a sort of circle back to that point, but actually brought into existence the fact that what people would think is where did the ball come from? Yeah. And they've explained. They've even said like that doesn't explain that bit though. And I like the fact that they added that in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Possibly annoys me a bit the fact that this is a time travel film that I genuinely like. But yeah, I like the fact that they I, stuck to the whole the whole yeah. thing of proving it and it, trying it to sort of the, to the science all the way through. The whole yeah. the whole thing works really well. I, I like I must admit there are some great, really funny bits in it. I thought there were some fantastic bits. And there's there's bits like um where he finally decides to sort of like go and talk to himself. And he walks up to himself and he says, right, okay, look, look okay, so um, the one from the past cannot interact, or the one from the uh, from the past cannot interact with the one from the future. You're interacting with me now. Shut up, don't, you know, don't, don't stop me when I'm in the I love, yeah, I love the certain bits in it that I loved as well, just sort of the conversations that they all had. And like, again, the, the drunken conversation they have in the bar. Yeah. And all, and I were way too drunk to deal with this. And one of them turns around and goes, but there are people that aren't. Yeah, yeah. And it's just this thing. But another, and I like the fact that it's just like, and the fact they all have this conversation while they're still drunk. And it's just. There's also the thing that gets me is that even when they're all standing there talking, and what the guy standing there, he, wait, he's talking, he's giving the thing of how the machine works. And there's another one saying, yes, we all know this. And one of the others at the table says, oh, actually, I don't quite understand how Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, 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 I do like that. The fact that it's, all, there's, yeah. it's, it's almost like that split personality thing. So like, they all know what's going on, but there's always one that sits there and just sort of goes, what? Yeah. And I, I like the fact that they added this in. And the sad is the whole... What I liked as well was having that conversation. It's the fact that all of them are sitting around a table, but when they look over the railings, there's one that's just sitting off by himself. Yeah. And I thought, it's just, just what I loved is the fact is the, the little aspects of comedy in this, to, also, st to stick it with the science as well. I also like the fact that right at the end, when you think it's all finished, it all starts again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, I think it's hilarious to sort of, I like this is the fact that when like the garage door opened and it was like, I'm oh, God, I thought I forgot to take it. And this is how, oh, I forgot how much of a, like, how much annoyed I was. And I was like, what? <laughs> and this is, and this is sad. But I've got to admit, there is a bit that confused me because it's, and it's not confused me, but the whole thing is the fact that if he was falling through time and space, he wouldn't have had, like, they actually admit that he wouldn't have aged. Yeah. Where did the grey hair come from? I don't but, know. But I do like the fact that it's the same. It's just, it's just the whole, there is a massive, massive amount of science to it. And if you don't follow it, probably can get a bit all over the place. But I like the comedy aspect we put into it to I, sort of break that up. Yeah. I, th I think it's a fantastic film. It really is. And it's, I think I'd love to I'd love to see it done done more with it, but the problem is if you went on any further than it did, I think you. Oh, get you could be yeah, you could be there for days with it. Um, uh, what I liked, as I was saying, the center, uh, the effects of it. The main effects, I think, for me was when they're getting blown up. Them getting blown up. The other thing that got me was the very first one when he's standing staring at the camera and half his head gets blown off with a with, yeah. 
the one coming through from the past you, or from the future. You think, what? Yeah, and it's... That, that effect was brilliant. Yeah, I was just saying, there's, there's a lot of effects in this that I looked at and I'm like, that is amazing. I was yeah. saying the set design as well, I liked it, because like, that genuinely looked like someone had built that. <laughs> so... And the, I mean, the other thing is just the the whole thing of of having like what seven or eight of him, yeah, in close proximity to each other and interacting, and interacting with each other, with each other. You know, it, like not just know. not just like communication interaction, but physical community interaction as well. Quite a, a thing to put together, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's going to be interesting say, talking to him about uh, how he how he did it all. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be an interesting conversation. Again, this is going to be another conversation of like this. This they've brought this this to life, and it's always one of them things of like, what stuff did you throw away? Then, if you've had these these good of an ideas, what stuff have you not done? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> know, oh, I know. Okay, uh, so yes, um, we will um, now be having an interview with Stimson Sneed. Uh, so we are luckily enough, uh, lucky enough to be joined by Stimson Sneed, who is the filmmaker for the two films that we've reviewed. Uh, welcome. Good to see you guys. And please don't let the fact that I'm watching you talk about my films impact your review in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I should yeah, mention it. that my contract told me your addresses. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, it, it does always worry us when people contact us and say, can you review our films? And we're like, if you are... You are sort of have seen our podcast and seen sometimes that we can't rip them apart. But no, it's, 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 I do love it when people do that and they go, we want to talk to you afterwards. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> Lastly, well, in both cases, the films you're talking about, once you're done lovingly ripping it apart, <laughs> I've got some behind the scenes stories to share. Well, I mean, we've already done a, a basic review of the thing between oh. us, uh, but yeah. we, we did now want to talk to you about them sort of. Uh, the the first one we did was uh, Spirit. Uh, yes, Marshall. Sorry. Now, I mean, we were saying we we didn't realise that I, I'd never even heard of the the uh, comic that this is based on, and we didn't realise that it was based on a comic until uh, we, we, we it says so on the actual um, credits in the film. Yes. Um, so, where did you first find out about that about the the, the comic? So for those listening, the comic is called XKCD, and <laughs> the author, this guy has been producing stuff for probably 20 years. So my first exposure to his work was wandering around college and seeing various jokes of his glued to people's lockers. Yes, I had a weird <laughs> college that actually had lockers. Really? Uh, and what he is most famous for is his deep dive science stuff and what he's talking about intellectually. This is a gentleman who's actually worked with NASA. He is a, when I went to the folks who worked at NASA for this film, they were already familiar with his work, several of which had met him. He's since gone on to book publishing. He has a wonderful book series called What If, which is absolutely amazing and I highly recommend it, which he takes insane scientific questions like what would happen if a water drop the size of Mount Everest were dropped in a field and I, actually I, breaks down the physics. I so, am, I'm actually luckily, I am lucky to own both of the, the 
episode in both of the books of what if they are oh. fantastic yeah the, the description of the old british couple sitting on the front porch as they watch it horror as the water drop fall i am dying laughing every time i see that great read that yes. i've read it several times back when it was a web article for it <laughs> so honestly there's not really been a point of my adult life that i wasn't already familiar with his work he's just kind of a mainstay in that community Right. Uh, until he put out this comic and he put it out only one page. Have you seen the original comic? The film is based no. on uh, no. it is only a one page comic of spirit going about her experiences with the little timer in the corner that right. we with the day count or soul count counter that we use in the film as well and ends with her dying alone. It is really depressing. And he put it out about a week after the real spirit died to kind of commemorate it. And that was the first time in his work that I was not just entertained, but moved emotionally. Around this same time, I'd really gotten into sciences, something that I kind of missed while I was in college. I didn't actually get into the sciences, hard sciences until my mid twenties, long after graduating. Um, and I realized I wanted to do a film about this with a uh, slightly more optimistic ending. And you guys have seen the film. Yeah. And that's yes. what we did. I actually had a couple failed starts to get it going because I didn't know what I was doing in my 20s. And it was so effects heavy. So I was into my early 30s, revisiting it almost a decade later before I was able to do the film that you guys saw. And by that point, I was actually able to bring in the actual people involved with the real Rover. So a lot different from my original plan to shoot with friends for YouTube and a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Although I stand by the puppet would have been adorable. It would have been a great puppet. I must, we were saying, I must admit, and everything, think about it, there's something else as well. But uh, I was saying there were a few parts of it that kind of remind, reminded me of the film Wally. -E. Very much. Uh, that was actually a conversation we had. So we had two effects teams. The first team was a group of recent graduates out of Seattle, uh, a video game school, actually. And what they did is they took a pre-existing 3D model of the rover that was photorealistic and, the, and, and did what's called rigging it. That's where you give it all the movable joints so you can animate it. And the other major change they had was give it a different face, something that can emotionally emote, have a conversation with. And one of the notes in the early things was Wally. <laughs> the, other, the other thing, the other thing, I, I must admit that the the face, especially the eyes and the way it moved, the eye, eyebrows move, reminded me of um, uh, what's the film called? Uh, it's Johnny short Five. Circuit. Yeah, Short Circuit. Short Circuit. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Five, I am alive. <laughs> and I thought I, I did think of that at the time, but it, it kind of like I thought I, am a, I don't know. <laughs> I'm amazed you picked up on that because like. I kid you not, it, it's been years now since I've done that film, but if I dug up the original notes I sent to the first animation team, Johnny Five and Wally are both referenced. And in one of those moments that made me feel incredibly old because these were all kids who had just were graduating school. <laughs> I remember when I was talking about Johnny Five, they're all going, who? Who? <laughs> if you're lucky, you're lucky to have decided to Johnny Five and not to Wally. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's less Wally than there is Johnny Five. Like the sp yeah. one specific thing we were using from Wally is the eyebrows to kind of yeah. get that emotional effect to it. But yeah. in terms of the circular motion to the eyes, the shape of it, kind of the shape of the <clears throat> head, it, there's a lot more of Johnny Five than there is Wally. 
even though I'm sad how few people under will know that reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, I mean it, it's it's just the thing growing up I mean as I did growing back in the in the 70s and 80s I kind of like watched all of those those sort of uh, sci-fi films. Um but we we were both we were both saying we we were really impressed with the, all of the effects and uh, the, the 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 whole computer generated stuff was just fantastically done. The uh, the so that's where we get to the second effects team who did all the animation and that is a one man team. Uh, I don't know what he calls his company now. At the time, they were called Sensorus, but it's a gentleman by the name of Gabe Conroy, also out of Seattle, who is a veteran effects person. In fact. He does most of the effects for any of the commercials or ad spots you see for SpaceX, which is why if you look very carefully at the end of the film, when you're looking at all the spaceships land, they are very clearly modeled after SpaceX rockets. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, actually. But yeah, I could, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> it. It was weird. One of the straight I, I got to have an overlap with two different billionaires in the course of making this short film because Gabe's other boss while this was going around was Elon Musk. And the gentleman who appears in the opening and closing of the film, Steve Squires, who was one of the <clears throat> science uh, mission commanders on the film, it's on the real mission, is currently working for Blue Origin under Bezos. So in this one short film, I got surprisingly close on the seven degrees of separation game from multiple multiple billionaires. Cool. That's not bad. Not yeah, bad. it was fun. It was fun. Do you turn about the fact you got to talk to the the people that were involved in the, the original mission? So what what was their take on the film then? If, when you, you went to them and said, look, this is what I would like to do. Yeah, have they seen it? Have they made comment of it? Of I only got to meet one directly, and that was Steven Squires, who appears in the film. Now, we actually made the film before we added his stuff into it. So his was kind of an interesting story, because I'm not confident that he was super hot on the idea originally. <laughs> He's an expert academic who's done 50 million of these interviews. And I don't think it was until he showed it to his daughter, and he told me out length about how much the finished film affected her, that brought him on board because the purpose of this film was always to make it an educational piece. So it's, mm. it's final life was gifted to the uh, Aldrin family foundation, which uh, screens it in schools and as part of other educational activities. So wow. it was always attended, not for YouTube. In fact, I don't think I ever even bothered posting it on YouTube. I should, I should probably fix that now that I think about it, uh, <laughs> but it's ultimate home was always meant to go to kids. And so I was very pleased that it affected her so much because she was the true target audience. Now, the interesting thing that happened after Steve came on board, because what I wanted to do with Steve when I was gifting it to the Aldrin Foundation was to basically make it more educational than it already was. It already had the running theme of talking about the real science. The text actually appears on screen to make it yeah. sort of half fiction, half documentary but I wanted just a little bit of him kind of talking about some of the abstractions that are in the film. Because there are several things that to an adult audience are very obvious it's there to be silly, like when she's talking and jumping and making selfies. But if you're talking to a very young audience, it's actually worth putting that stuff in context, especially if the goal is to make an educational piece. What surprised me was I liked his stuff at the beginning and end so much I ended up junking my original version entirely, which did not originally <laughs> include him. I think the film that shows him is the better film to the point where 
I have no use for the older version of it. This is the definitive version of it. Yeah, yeah. I, but it, yeah. Does, it works really well. Yeah, I, yeah. I say, what I'm saying when we were talking about this earlier, that I, I genuinely like the fact that not only his involvement and the sort of to build, bring that as a back to back to earth sort of situation of people that were involved in the what was going on, but sort of like you said, to make it that educational point to say, yeah, there is a funny side to it, but there was also a serious side. Uh, and one of the other things to go to your guys' earlier questions, he gave me a lot of really interesting stories uh, about just kind of what had happened, not when they were making the rover, but while they were running. So apparently this whole idea of the rovers as sisters and very female genders, this was something that started at JPL and NASA. And apparently all the way back in the days of MySpace, there was a pair of fan MySpace accounts of the two sisters being very catty with each other. <laughs> and, and apparently Spirit's personality, which cr created entirely organically in the early days of social media, was fairly one-to-one -one of the personality we used <laughs> in the film of the slightly insecure sister. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. And I didn't know about any of this, but apparently... Um, there's a MySpace creator out there somewhere who probably thinks I ripped him off. <laughs> uh, we we were both um, we were both blown away by it. We both think, thought it was a fantastic film, brilliantly made, brilliantly done, and uh, you know it, it's uh, it, it's really it's a, it's an interesting film to watch. It's fun to watch, but it's an interesting film to watch, which kind of like. It's something you don't see very often mm. when, when you get something that's both fun and interesting. Well, it's like I tell all of my financiers and producers. I'm I specialize in interesting, not necessarily good. <laughs> <laughs> Always interesting, sometimes good. Right. Before we get on to the second film we watched. <laughs> I know which um, one that is. <laughs> um could it, just just as a, a as a bit of background, how did you get into filmmaking and that sort of thing? Oh, it was the only thing I ever wanted to be involved with. I was a weird kid. I was born and raised in the theater community. And as much as I love theater, it was never for me, if that makes sense. But the film was always more for me. So right. I came at it from that theater background. I My dad was a news anchor back, in, back when you used to have local TV stations. And at the age of like six, I would be sitting in the sound booth and recording booth, knowing how to be perfectly quiet while they were live on air. I was just always part of that world. My mom with a composer and singer and songwriter, she has several finished musicals, one of which uh, I actually wrote the book for, just saying. <laughs> and uh, I was just always part of that. So I always mm -hmm. knew I kind of wanted to be involved in film. It did take me a while to kind of figure out what my voice was in film. For a long time after getting out of college, I did not focus on directing. I was much more a DP. Uh, if you can tell from watching both my films, I have, I think, a fairly specific visual style that I tend yeah. to work in. And that was developed from years of being a DP for other people. It's very mm -hmm. frustrating now, actually. I haven't DP'd in a while, and the DPs I'm working with are so much better than I ever was. It's frankly frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me glad I'm a director now. I if I tried to get back into DPing, I absolutely could not compete. <laughs> so, what um, what 
sort of uh, films or directors did you uh, did you watch that really kind of inspired you to want to <laughs> do the sort of thing you did? There are very few specific filmmakers who inspired me. I was always much more inspired by genres and styles and the way the individual players within that genre would play off of each other. Wow. So because my dad worked at a PBS station, I was raised on a frankly unhealthy level of British television. So I'm sure yeah, there's a surprise it, it, either of you even for British people, there's an unhealthy man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure this will surprise neither of you, given where you're from. But uh, if there is a single defining show that is my entire aesthetic, it's Red Dwarf. From beginning yeah. to end. That is, that, is the, <laughs> that is the seed of most of my creativity. To the point where on the feature I did last year, I went to a frankly heroic effort to try to get Chris Berry onto this side of the pond and just no luck, no luck at all. I, I got another well-known actor, but I, for the record, I made a heroic effort to try to get him. <laughs> but, so is, I mean, so, sorry, is it always, has it always been like science fiction that you wanted to do that sort of... <laughs> It's not science fiction or any one genre, but science fiction tends to be the genre I go to because of what it does. I like very idea-driven narrative. I like the idea of, here is an interesting concept, how can I play with that? I don't mind if that concept is fantasy, I don't mind if that concept is horror, but a lot of different genres have very specific rules you have to work with within it. Sci-fi is one of the few genres that gives you a lot of room to play. Like, I'm going to use Red Dwarf as the example. Red Dwarf is aggressively a comedy. But as long as it's funny, because it's sci-fi, it gets to play with a lot of different elements that most sci-fis do not. It gets to deal with real science. It gets to deal with real abstract elements. As long as it goes back to that baseline, be funny, it gets a lot of freedom to do types of narratives you wouldn't see elsewhere. And that's where on things like Spirit, where I was going for a very wholesome, heartwarming thing, I was still playing with the idea of a robot. With Tim Travers, for example, that's something that goes much, much darker and much meaner, but it is still driven by the ideas, not necessarily by the character. And that is a running theme for most of my work. And I and I find I fall back into sci-fi over and over again, specifically for the narrative freedom that it gives me to do that. Right, right, yeah. So, okay, moving on. Um, Tim Travis and the Time Traveler's Paradox. <laughs> now, I want to clear something up here. First of all, when, when, when we do our reviews, I have a look online to try and get a bit of background information about the film. So when I give a rundown at the beginning of the, the review of who made the film and who's in the film, I can give a bit of background of who they are in case people don't know. Um, I was a little confused because according to IMDb, Tim Travis of the Time Traveler's Paradox has got Joel McHale and Danny Trejo in it. And Felicia Day and Keith David. Yes. And I think I can clear up the confusion you're having. Because the film you watched is the multi-award winning short film written right. and directed by me, starring Samuel Dunning, made last year. Yes. What you were reading was the IMDb for my feature film, multi-million dollar directorial debut, filmed in December of this past year, of the feature film version of Tim Travers and the Time Traveler's <laughs> Paradox, 
That includes Felicia Day, Keith David, Joel McHale, and Danny Trejo. Right. And Samuel Dunning returning as Tim Travers. Okay, that clears uh -huh. that up. <laughs> there are two different Tim Travers, both directed by me and starring Samuel Dunning. I was a little one, confused. <laughs> one is the little short that you guys saw, and the other is the orders of magnitude to absurdist degree feature film that shot after, which is currently in post-production right now. We've locked picture, and we are working our way through the over 500-plus effect shots. For context, wow. the short that you watched had about 50. Okay. Wow. So. Let's go to the short <laughs> film then. Let's, 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 we'll talk about the, 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 the feature film a little bit more a bit later. Um, now, we have a thing, you see. Um, sorry. We have a thing, which is the fact that we both like science fiction. Um, I have always been and I think will always be a huge fan of time travel stories. And I think part of that was for the fact that, you know, I was, I was born the same year that Doctor Who started. So <laughs> I've grown up with Doctor Who. My son, Scott, does not like time travel stories. Oh, such a grass. The main reason he doesn't like them is because, according to him, scientifically they don't make any sense because they can't happen and too many of them ignore the paradoxes yes yes so it was interesting for us to watch this yeah i would say a lot of the other time travel films we've watched and my dad has made me watch blatantly got to the point where i've almost turned them off because they annoy me that much but okay. it's again it's because of the fact like like your film does it doesn't talk about the, the paradox. Yours does it. The whole premise is the paradox. That's, that's the crux of the entire film, is yeah. the paradox. And I, I genuinely, as I said, it, it almost pained me to say, and I don't believe it in a bad way, that this is a time travel film that I enjoyed. So one thing I need to stress about the science and Tim Travers, so that the various particle physicists who have consulted <laughs> with me don't slap me around. <laughs> it, it is 100% magic. However, it, it gets all the science wrong. However, the ideas it's bringing up are absolutely real. Right. So, we do it wrong because <laughs> any version of time travel is wrong. And I just really need to stress that because I, I, I didn't want to name drop my physicists, but they're big league and I don't want them to smack me. <laughs> for, uh, just one of them for the uh, feature film version. There's an equation that needs to appear, appear on screen. And I wanted the equation to scientifically be accurate to representing the time travel that happens in the feature version. It's like two pages long <laughs> that they had to build for me. <laughs> So just one equation. So the science in the film is wrong in that it gets its answers wrong. It is right in that what it is talking about are legitimate ideas that are realistically explored. And so that's why the film goes out of its way to play with these different versions, because the whole theory is that he's trying to figure out what is the correct reason to explain this impossible thing. And then very deliberately at the end of the short film, and this happens, spoilers, at the halfway point in the feature, because the feature gets a lot more wild, 
than the short <laughs> is we go completely off the rails into an entire what was very funny to me is when i was explaining the feature to the one of the physicists they explained oh yeah it has to be that <laughs> apparently the thing that we explain in the short is accurate because to a physicist it is the only possible explanation that isn't magic so weirdly enough, we accidentally got it right. <laughs> that, that, that must have been a bit of an ego boost then, to sort of sit there and have a physicist say to you, you you've done what we would have told you to do. It was, but it also makes Tim Travers a lot more stupid because apparently <laughs> to a physicist, he should have immediately recognized what was happening. Like apparently it was immediately obvious to a physicist. Ah. To the point where that whole speech he has in the beginning where he's coming up with the different theories actually doesn't logically make sense because if he understood this much, he would have known immediately the correct answer. <laughs> oh, and that scene is in both the short and the feature. So Tim Travers is just, he's a genius except when he's an idiot. I, I guess that's just the character. Uh, we, I mean, we... We both. I mean, I I just want to commend you on the fact that you've managed to make a time travel film that he likes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was that's that's what I've been trying. I've been trying to find one all these times. I've been trying to get him to <laughs> watch these in the in the hope that I would find one that he would like. Wait, not Terminator or Back to the Future? No. <laughs> Back to that Terminator, mate. I I do enjoy, but that's mainly because of the action and the fact that a lot of things blow up. Back yeah. to the Future, I. <sighs> Yeah, I wouldn't. Oh I don't want to get oh started on them. Well, it's been great talking to you, gentlemen. It's been good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the weird thing, I actually can understand where you're coming from, though, because if you're interested, the origin of where this film came from in the first place. So I was at a film festival, a very, very how to do for sci-fi. I'm not going to name it because I'm about to be very mean to another film there. Uh, I was screening Spirit, A Martian Story, and they brought in one of their award-winning features that year, which was a time travel film. And it just pissed me off so much that when I went out drinking with a friend of mine who was overstudying at MIT, and the reason I know a lot of the physicists that I knew is through her, she and I got royally tanked. And then that evening, I went home drunk, convinced that every time travel movie is stupid and I could make one better that actually followed the logic or at the very least had a character who would follow the logic. And I drunkenly outlined the entire plot of the Tim Travers uh, film on a napkin before passing out. I then <laughs> read the napkin the next morning, wrote the first draft of the script, and other than cleaning it up, the thing you guys watched is a pretty good approximation of the script I wrote while pretty violently hungover. Well, we 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 were both impressed with the fact that it was said it was inspired by heavy drinking. <laughs> yeah, it's honesty and advertising right there. It's, it's the, what I'm saying is the fact that there's, there's probably a few films out there that have got that inspiration behind them. It, it takes a lot to actually openly admit it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was actually we're reviewing right now the opening credits for the feature, because when you get into a feature film with actual celebrities, there's a lot of contractual obligations about the uh, degree in which you prevent to present certain credits. Yeah. So we're reviewing those right now because it's actually very important to me to get those jokes into the credits. And I can't do too many because, unfortunately, Deadpool ruined this for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was doing this before Deadpool, and <laughs> now everybody thinks it's because of Deadpool. So it's like, damn it, I have to do less jokes. <laughs> we we were very impressed with the the effects. I mean, the the the, the shot where he's looking straight at the camera and half of his head gets blown off with now the, that's... the gun. That was incredible. <laughs> Now, yes. now we cheated a little bit on, <laughs> because we brought in a so uh, I love working with Dave Conroy, who did Spirit, but that was also very much a friend pay rate. Uh, again, when you're when the guy's other boss is Elon Musk, it's kind of hard to make a competitive offer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so for Tim Travers, I decided to go with Mode FX. They are a company run by Jason McKee and Travis. Oh, shit. I'm Travis. Okay, Travis, if you ever hear this, I apologize. I just forgot your last name. Um, <laughs> they work with North by Northwest, the studio that produced the Tim Travers short. Right. And they also single-handedly covered all the effects for all of the TV shows Z Nation and Black Summer. Wow. Okay. So they came in and they were our effects people. And there was a lot of effects that... Now, the way it works in effects is sometimes you'll build an original effect for a company. And they own that effect. Other times you'll build an effect that can be used multiple times and the company will pay less, but you get to reuse that effect. So in the case of the head getting ripped off, that was actually an effect from Z Nation. All but right. because Z Nation was made by the Asylum, famously top bidders, <laughs> uh, we were able to get use of that effect and we were able to use it there. And mode effects are special. I, I really just got to pitch these guys hard and not just because they're currently neck deep on all 570 something shots on the feature version. And I want to be nice to them. <laughs> yeah. I single-handedly have employed these guys for the next year. So, <laughs> great timing um, with the strikes on my part. They're very happy about it. So, <laughs> so we no, did that I'm, effect and now they're doing that on the uh, feature version as well. I mean, the, the effects are fantastic. I mean, that, those, yeah. those effects are brilliant. The whole, as I was saying, the whole multi-layering of the, of, of, uh, the character and the way he interacts with himself and all that kind of thing is just brilliantly done. It works yeah. so well. Well, that was actually a second effects house. So with the uh, short film, Tim, we had another uh, effects, uh, 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 Jacqueline <laughs> Chesson, who is an effects person down here in LA, which I brought in to pick up the slack on a lot of the stuff for Mode because Mode for the Tim Travers shorts, they were kind of giving me, you know, the help of help a guy out, right? Because this Go was ahead. not the full feature budget they're used to working on. So a lot of those just straight up split screen, the large rotoscope ones, that's actually Jacqueline's work you're saying. So right. when you're dealing with films, even like the short of Tim Travers, there is a lot of different teams coordinating together simultaneously. It, it, it works really well, and, and mm. I mean the comedy in it is fantastic. That we we were we were impressed by the fact that although they were all different versions of the same person, they all seem to have slightly different personalities, which is quite interesting. That credit has got to go to our actor Samuel Dunning. Sam is a beast of an actor, and you want to talk about panics? He had a horrifying moment when he got out to set the day before we started filming. So we filmed in Washington state, but we flew him out from New York and Maine where he's based. Right. He did not realize until the day before filming that he'd memorized it wrong. Cause he'd memorized it as one block of text. And then he realized the day before 
he needs to do each character individually. So that was one night of prep of him getting that straight in his head. Wow. He's fully admitted to me that he doesn't have the faintest clue what the hell he's saying in most of that <laughs> film. <laughs> he is so good in it. I remember there was, uh, when we decided to the feature, one producer brought up the possibility of bringing in a bigger name actor and I practically laughed him out of the room. There's Samuel Dunning is Tim Travers. Yeah, so he, was, he was fantastic. And it, yeah. it, it, it works with him so well. So, okay. so he's great playing opposite of himself. They have, he <laughs> has great chemistry with himself. <laughs> Boy, how, I'm debating how much to tell you about the feature. <laughs> well, look, one question I've got to ask <clears throat> in the feature, do we ever get to find out where the football came from? It is implied. Yes. <laughs> okay. That so was, a, that was my, my favourite bit to this, was the fact that it's all... I've seen, I've seen the time travel from, like we said, that never explain things that go on and or never make comment about obvious things that happen. And even with this, the whole way through, it was something stuck in my head the whole way through, was where did it come from? And it sort of, even with the end, sort of the comments, just... It doesn't even with like his character saying it, it doesn't explain the football. And I was like, it's nice to see a film where someone actually makes recognition of that. <laughs> the football is a trend. So the football is me making fun of an annoying trend you see in a lot of bad time travel films, which is the circular logic. Within the context yeah. of the short, the football yeah. was never created. It has always existed because it is the same football looping. Yeah. It drives me nuts when I see that. And I put that in because I feel like a lot of audience members, I was really surprised at festivals, how many people picked up on that. That the football, there is an actual explanation in the short that explains all the time travel. And the football breaks that explanation. Yeah. <laughs> it is put in there as a troll move. The football does not make sense. If I have any... I, if I feel like there's any place I compromised in the feature, you've got to take a lot of logical leaps. We do not explain it. But there is actually a very clear explanation for where the football comes from. You're going to have to make some leaps. This is going to be like a, a, a game theory, film theory sort of thing going on. But there is an actual cause of the football. So... Asking you where the football came from is not going to work because you're going to you want you want people to try and work that out from, from the film. I can actually tell you because it won't make the it won't make a lick of sense. This is not a spoiler because you won't. <laughs> football is all things. It has always been. It will always be. It is the point of all creation. <laughs> will only make sense. If you watch the feature film, Tim Travers feature film coming out 2024, starring Joel McHale, Felicia Day, Danny Trejo. I've <laughs> got to watch. I've got to watch. Yeah, it's really have. It's gonna be have to. We've got one that we've got to watch and keep an eye out for. Now this is mainly just so we can find out if I, we can get the explanation. And that's gonna be my aim for it. It is the center <laughs> of all things. It is everything. We are the football. The football <laughs> is us. <laughs> It is the point of infinite creation. Oh, I just want to stress, if what I'm saying makes you think this is a weird movie, you have no idea how <laughs> the movie I, can, I can't wait. It, 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 I mean, I love the short film. I can't wait to see it as a, as a, as a feature. 
but you'll get to see it again. So the weirdest thing we had on the short, the feature, the entire script of the short film is in the feature. Okay. It's spread out over the feature and we had to reshoot it completely to match the much better budget, visual quality, rebuilt time machine, new look of Tim Travers. He looks very different, although it's the same actor. And because the entire crew, because we did the feature with North by Northwest again, up north, same people we did the short with, we were all certain days getting weird deja vu. <laughs> the biggest challenge Sam was facing is the feature version of Tim Travers on the surface is very similar to the character in the short. But the joke of the short is that he has no character arc. The feature, he absolutely has the character arc and his emotional journey is the core of the film. So even though he behaves the same, it is a very different character. And one of the things I remember Sam was telling me he was dealing with was trying to mentally divorce himself from that first version of Tim Travers so he could do justice to this version. Because there were times that old version wanted to overtake things. Wow. As an actor, it was very challenging, but he yeah. he is amazing in the film. He's absolutely amazing. I can't wait to see it. So, okay, that's that's coming out next year. It's in post-production that's coming out next year. Yep. What do you have other projects going on or that you're going to be working on? Uh, well, like every filmmaker, I have several projects going on. I have nothing uh that I'm doing at the moment because as you may have noticed, we're currently on strike. Yes. Yes. But that doesn't stop us from shopping around other projects and seeing what we can do in the meantime. Uh, I recently procured the rights to a phenomenal novel, which I signed the contract. I can actually talk about this finally. Are right. you guys fans of Zero Punctuation, Ben Yatsi Croshaw, fellow Englishman like yourself? I don't know that, to be honest. Oh, he's fantastic. Well, that well, way to bring down the letdown here. Uh, <laughs> we're working on a film based on his novel, Jam, which, by the way, go check out Jam, fellow Brit. Okay, I'll have a look at that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that sounds cool. Beyond that, uh, and beyond that, just working on a couple other projects that we're developing. There's there's very little you can do when you're not allowed to cast people. Yes. So, or when you're not allowed to work on the script, <laughs> for that matter. Yeah. yeah. Writers and actors on strike. So it's a, as much as the studios would like to think that those aren't essential components, they're, they're actually kind of pretty major components, you know. Yeah script and actors yeah 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 you know i mean you, you could always i mean uh, there are a couple of uh, english directors that i've seen uh over the years who do do things where everything that they film is is just completely ad-libbed well directors are actually able to work right now so uh that's a different union that's directors guild of america of which i'm also part of but it's hard to film without actors to act in what you're filming <laughs> yeah True, and I am not an and I am not an improv guy as a general rule. So, <laughs> or a documentary guy, I love watching them. I respect the art form. I'm fairly useless on set. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, we we really enjoyed watching both of these films. Um, I can't wait to see the feature of, of Tim Travis. I'm really looking forward to that already. When yeah. when do you think it will be out on general Our release? Our festival tour will be starting in February. Okay. So in all likelihood, the first place you'll see it is at a festival. And then while we're on festival tour, we're going to be for sale and seeking major distributor. So it'll just depend on who puts <coughs> us first. Uh, any English distributors listening right now, give me a call. <laughs> okay. 
but in all likelihood, it will be festivals will be the first place you hear about it. And that's going to start in February. Okay. Well, okay. Thank you very much. Um, thanks a lot for being on the show. It's been really good oh, talking my, to you. Absolutely. My pleasure. So uh, anybody out there watching, listening, um, look out for uh, the short films and things from uh, Stimson Sneed um, on Vimeo and uh, any other places that you see them. Um, and look out for the feature film of Tim Travis uh, coming out to a uh, festival, possibly near you next year. And uh, for future future dates for uh, distribution from there on. Uh, thank you very much. And it's uh, really cool to have you on the show. And uh, we look forward to seeing more from you. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Scott, for being on being with me. I'm glad I had this opportunity. Yeah. And uh, thank you to everybody for watching, listening, and uh, whatever else you do. And uh, don't forget, contact us. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of us or not. Um, let us know if there are particular films or directors that you'd like us to uh, look at their work. And uh, we, you know, we're always willing to do independent or, or, or mainstream features, you know, the same as we do with everything else. So thank you very much. And we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. The Cypholla Film Podcast. Sci-Fi Film Podcast is a Thrave Productions podcast.